Blog Talk Radio. It comes, but once a year, each tick of the clock, the time draws near, where there'll be hope for every team in the National Football League. Kuiper and Box Bomb pave the way, predicting the names Kamish would say, Drastic's watching every day. Seven rounds of fun. Whether it's Mr. Irrelevant or number one, it's the countdown to the NFL Draft. Welcome to the DC Podcast brought to you by DraftCountdown.com. And today we're going to be talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I have the authority on the Bucks and Scott Reynolds from PewterReport.com to kind of examine the Buccaneers' main areas of needs and, and their plans for the 2016 NFL Draft. Scott, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing excellent. Thanks for coming on. And uh, the reason I wanted to talk to you is because I think the Buccaneers are kind of an interesting situation in that they might be in no man's land in the first round at number nine overall, at least the way things stand right now. But we'll kind of delve into that. But let's just start out. What are the Buccaneers' priorities this season? And obviously they have an opportunity to address some of these in free agency, and that's going to impact things. But but what, what would you say are the Buccaneers' three top needs or priorities in order right now heading into the offseason? Well, I really think that they have to spend some time addressing their pass rush and their pass coverage. You know, Jason Light, since he took over as the Buccaneers' general manager, in 2014 has spent every single draft pick on an offensive player with the exception of Quan Alexander, the fourth-round middle linebacker out of LSU, who is uh, you know one heck of a player, and I think he's going to be a Pro Bowl middle linebacker before too long. Um, so they really have to address the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Lovey Smith was fired. Uh, Dirk Cutter, an offensive-minded coach, uh, you know, replaces him. Mike Smith uh, rejoins Cutter. Uh, those two have worked together uh, most recently in Atlanta. Uh, when Smith was the Falcons head coach, Cutter was the offensive coordinator. But before that, uh, when Cutter was the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville and Mike Smith was the defensive coordinator, and he had a great track record for producing top-notch defenses with the Jaguars under Jack Del Rio. So I think the table is set for a defensive-minded draft. This team needs some pass rushers, especially some edge rushers, um, the Buccaneers have not had a double-digit sacker since Simeon Rice in 2005, and they've got a pretty you know good defensive tackle up the middle in pro bowler Gerald McCoy, but they really need a high-profile, uh, top-notch, pro bowl caliber defensive end, and um, you know I, I see the Buccaneers spending either their first or second round pick at that position, and then after that, it's cornerback and probably safety along uh, the lines of of improving the secondary, you know, the pass rush and pass coverage go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other, but the Buccaneers need both in this instance, uh, better coverage corners, uh, better pass rushers, and some safeties that will, will get some interceptions and make some plays. Tampa Bay has only had six interceptions from both safety positions combined over the last two years combined. So they have a lot of work to do on the defensive side of the ball. Well, I completely agree with you on the needs, defensive line and secondary, and that's kind of why I think this is so interesting. So let's unpack those positions a little bit more in terms of what their targets could be. 
So sitting at number nine overall, Joey Bosa from Ohio State is going to be off the board. Now, DeForest Buckner from Oregon is an interesting player. He could be there. I I would say it's 50-50. That's kind of the range he's going to go in, five to ten, I believe. Uh, And I think he's the type of big defensive lineman. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I think Mike Smith prefers bigger defensive linemen like Buckner. But at the same time, he's not necessarily this dynamic edge rusher. I don't know he, if he's going to break that, that streak of uh, non-double-digit sack guys they've had since Simeon Rice. So what are your thoughts on what type of defensive end they're going to be looking for at number nine, if that's the position they went there? And, and what, what traits in that player do you think they're going to be looking for? Well, you know, it, you want size, obviously. I mean, if you can get big, fast guys, right, that's what everybody wants. But at the same time, you know, you have to have guys that can get to the quarterback, and that typically means speed. We saw, you know, firsthand um, a guy like Coney Ely from Carolina notch three sacks in the Super Bowl, and he weighs about 290 pounds, uh, maybe 285. Then we saw another guy in Vaughn Miller get there two and a half times in the Super Bowl for Denver, you know, and he's probably around 250. So you can get there a lot of different ways, but, you know, you have to be fast. You have to be, be quick. And a, a big guy like Tony Ely has that, that size and speed combination. And really, you look in the draft this year in the first-round caliber talents, you know, Joey Bosa is probably, you know, the, the biggest fast guy there. And even he really isn't, um, you know, that quick twitch uh, speed demon like, like a Von Miller is. Um, so, you know, you, you look at, at, at that, and I think DeForest Buckner, the way the Buccaneers are looking at him, he's strictly a, a defensive tackle in a 4-3 scheme. I think he is a 3-4 defensive end, but in the 4-3 scheme, which Mike Smith will be deploying, you know, he's viewed as a tackle, so I think that kind of eliminates him from consideration. Uh, the Buccaneers feel pretty good about their tackle position, um, although they will pick up a guy later in the draft. But I, I think you look at Noah Spence, um, you know, from, from Eastern Kentucky. Uh, we've, we've mocked him to the Buccaneers and PeterReport.com's second mock draft. And I think that, uh, you know, what you saw at the Senior Bowl was, was this guy, you know, truly has a, a wide array of, of moves um, with his hands. He can club grip. Um, you know, he's, he's really good with the long arm. I mean, there's a lot of different ways he can get there. He has a nice combination of speed and, and power. Um, and I think he's a relentless pass rusher. So I think that, that at, num- at number nine, I think that's a worthwhile spot to, to take him. I would also keep an eye on Clemson defensive ends. Uh, Kevin Dodd, he really is kind of a fast riser and didn't have a lot of opportunities because he had a couple of guys ahead of him at Clemson. Um, but he finally got the opportunity to start and, and really put up, I think, just as good of a season as Shaq Lawson did. And I, and I like his body better. Um, I think he's, he's more uh, well-built and put together. And I think he's a, a, a quicker athlete than, than Shaq Lawson is. Um, Shaq Lawson carries around a little bit of extra weight that kind of concerns me. Uh, the Buccaneers have had, you know, a, a similar Clemson player in Gaines Adams down here in Tampa before who was kind of allergic to the weight room. So, um, you know, I, Kevin Dodd is, is another guy we'll have to watch at the Combine. Emmanuel Ogba is another guy. Uh, Jameis Winston raves about him. Jameis got sacked twice by Ogba in 2014 in the season opener when Florida State went up against Oklahoma State. And really, he is a player, I think, that, that kind of has that Coney Ely-type build, probably a bigger defensive end, 270, 275, that I think has the size to get up to 280. Now, he's, he's a bit of a workout warrior in the weight room, very strong guy. 
And that's a consideration when you're going up against like Cam Newton twice in your division. Getting to Cam Newton is one. Getting him on the ground is another. So I I think there are a couple of options for the Buccaneers at the defensive end position. If they had to stick and pick at at number nine, maybe Noah Spence is the guy. Uh, If Spence is somehow gone, you know, um, I think the Buccaneers are well positioned to trade back uh, and pick up an extra pick or two um, and and let the board kind of come to them. Uh, There are a lot of pass rushers the Buccaneers like uh, in this draft. Uh, uh, Kamale Correa from – or Corrier from uh, Boise State's another one um, that I think is going to be a bit of a riser. So um, I wouldn't rule out the Bucks taking a defensive end. It might not be a number nine. It might be with them trading down a little bit. Well, let's talk a little bit more about Noah Spence because he, he's going to be the, kind of the mystery man of this draft. And there's no question about his talent. We say this time and time again. He's a legitimate top 10, top 12 overall type of talent in this draft. Maybe the best pure pass rusher, but of course, it's going to be the off the field, the character. And with the Buccaneers last year, they, they took a little bit of a chance with Jameis Winston, who had some off the field question marks. And so far that has worked out glowingly for them. Do you think that's going to embolden the organization? Or maybe that's not even the right word, but do you think that's going to make them more likely to, to roll the dice on a player like Noah Spence if they're comfortable with him? Because that's the thing with Noah Spence. There's no doubt about the talent. It's just about finding the right fit. Do you think Tampa Bay's front office could be a fit for Noah Spence. You think they'd be willing to take that chance? Definitely. I think you look at Jason Light's track record. You know, uh, you know, he he was, I believe, he was part of, of the draft. Um, you know, that the, out there in Arizona, where, where they had Tyron uh, Matthew from LSU, who had a troubled past, and obviously he's become a standout player for the Cardinals' defense. He certainly rolled the dice. Uh, you know, in taking Jameis Winston, uh, they they did it. You know, even more research on Winston than they did on Matthew out in Arizona uh, did light. And, um, you know, he's a bold general manager. He, he's he's kind of cut from that um, Bruce Arians cloth. You know, I think Bruce Arians rubbed off on Jason Light uh, out there in Arizona or they're, or they're just kindred spirits because he's a bold general manager that I, I think that will, you know, will take some chances and take some risks. Uh, he's famous for borrowing um, – Bruce Arians' famous trademark slogan, uh, no risk it, no biscuit. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a good fit as long as as long as long their background check on Spence uh, turns up okay and they feel that this guy has turned a leaf and will not become a substance abuser that would risk, you know, his eligibility for NFL games you know, via suspensions, then, yeah, I think I think that they're comfortable taking him. Um, and, and why not? I mean, he's he's a pass-rushing force. Well, let's turn our attention to the secondary now. That's the other big area in need. And, and I've heard they like Jalen Ramsey, the cornerback slash safety from Florida State, but he's not going to get to number nine. But let's start there. I mean, I think Jalen Ramsey is exactly what Tampa Bay wants to find in the secondary. Do you think you could see them maybe making a move up the board where they try to trade up five to six spots to get Ramsey, or is that more just a pipe dream? They like him, but they, they kind of realize he's out of their reach. I think that's a bit of, of a pipe dream. Um, you know, it, it just it just would depend on on what on what it would take to move up, and and you know how far are they moving? Are they moving to number two? Are they moving to just you know up a few spots, number six maybe? Um, it, it really depends. Um, I think Jalen Ramsey. See, I think the quandary with Ramsey is I think he's probably a better safety in the NFL than he is as a cornerback. Although I think he could play both. I think that he's he's just a, a, a you know an A plus type 
safety and probably a B-plus type cornerback. But then you have to consider, uh, you know, and of course there are other Earl Thomases and Eric Berry's out there, but uh, do you want to spend, you know, that premium of a draft pick top 10 on a, on a safety? Is that, is that the, you know, the, the value that you're going to be getting for a top 10 pick? If you go back to Al Davis uh, in his, you know, top four positions in football, it's the quarterback number one. It's the guy that gets to the quarterback number two. It's the guy that protects the quarterback number three, you know, in a left tackle, um, a franchise left tackle. And then number four, um, you know, is, is typically your shutdown cornerback, your upper echelon Darrell Regis type guy. So, you know, is, is he a quarterback? Is he a, uh, a defensive end? Is he a left tackle? Is he a, a cornerback? Yeah, kind of. I mean, he's, he's a cornerback slash safety, so you can kind of justify it. And I think Jalen Ramsey – and maybe one of the, the the top two players in the draft. I just don't know that the Buccaneers would would risk giving up draft picks, um, especially when they have so many needs across the board for depth as well as starting positions to go up and get him. But I I, I don't think they'll be taking um, you know a defensive back uh, in the top ten. I don't think that they like uh, Vernon Hargraves enough because of the size. Uh, you got to remember Tampa Bay plays in a, a division with Julio Jones twice per year. And now in Carolina, you've got not only Kelvin Benjamin twice per year, but also Devin Funches twice a year in that division. So uh, getting a small starting caliber cornerback, probably not in the plans for Mike Smith, Jason Light, and Dirk Cutter. Uh, and I think that kind of rules out um, McKenzie Alexander a little bit too. I know that there's a lot of Buccaneer fans that like him, but, you know, there's two sides to that coin. The one side is, is, well, he hasn't given up a touchdown, you know, and that's great because that's part of his job as a cornerback. The other part of it is he has not intercepted a pass at all in his college mm-hmm. career. So you, you truly don't know what his ball skills are. I don't think there's been a cornerback a drafted in the first round that, that has not picked off at least one pass in, in college. And so you're counting on your secondary to – you know, to um, to make plays on the ball and, and, and create takeaways. And, and I don't know if he can do that because he hasn't done that yet. So I don't know that, that with, with a cornerback who is, you know, less than, than six foot tall that doesn't have an interception on his resume, you know, if he's really worth a top ten pick. I'm completely with you on the cornerback, specifically Hargraves and uh, Alexander in that I, I don't think they're top ten values. Uh, and I think historically you look at the averages over the years – it's not unheard of for sub six foot corners to go in the first round, but usually when they do, it's more towards the back end of the first round than the top half. And there are exceptions. Absolutely. Uh, there's exceptions to every rule, but uh, I guess I'll, I'll be uh, somewhat surprised if Hargraves or Alexander go with that range. So, so based, based on what you're saying, then it sounds like you almost think that the Buccaneers secondary is going to be their focus in free agency. And then they're going to maybe try to address that pass rush in the draft. Sounds like is your inclination. Well, yeah, that very well could be at the same time, though. You know, they got they got second and third round picks uh, that are that are high draft. You know, we're able to get four starters out of their first four draft picks last year. Talking about Jameis Winston, obviously in the first round, Ali Marpet and Donovan Smith, the offensive lineman, in the second round, uh, they traded up their third round pick to get Ali Marpet, uh, and then you know you had Quan Alexander, in Tampa Bay. Um, you know, they're, they've set a high bar for themselves, but that's kind of what they're trying to do. 
get multiple starters out of this draft. And I think the second round, you know, is a spot where you might be able to find a guy like Houston's William Jackson uh, that can address the cornerback position there. I do think that they will spend um, a second or third round pick on a cornerback and to kind of expect that guy to start. And you look historically, and I know the coaches and the, and the front office has changed, but historically for the Buccaneers, you know, they've been able to mine the second and third round uh, to get some really quality cornerbacks. Uh, Brian Kelly was a second-round pick in 1998. Rondé Barber, you know, future Hall of Famer, a third-round pick in 1997. Uh, you also had Donnie Abraham, a third-round pick uh, in, in 1996. And then Dwight Smith uh, was the Super Bowl star for Tampa Bay, um, and he was a third-round cornerback out of, out of Akron. So there's, you know, there's that track record for getting – you know, cornerbacks in this franchise in the second, third round that, that cannot only start but become quality starters. Well, let's close up by talking about the offense quick. And, and like we talked about, the, the, the vast majority of their primary needs are on the defensive side of the ball. But can you see a scenario where they went offense in the early rounds, maybe even in the top 10? I mean, could you see them looking at a Ronnie Stanley, the offensive lineman from Notre Dame? Laquan Treadmill, the wide wide receiver from Ole Miss, Ezekiel Elliott, the running back from Ohio State. I I think they're all long shots. I think Stanley would be the most likely of the bunch. But can you see a scenario where they did go offense early? And if so, what position would it be? What would they they be looking for? Yeah, I think Stanley would would be the target if they were going to go offense. Again, going back to that that formula for the top ten, if you're not really drafting a quarterback, a defensive end, you know, a franchise defensive end, a franchise left tackle, and a franchise top cornerback uh, in in the top ten, you're kind of wasting that pick. Um, and and so I think that that yeah, if if your defensive end of choice um, were not available, let's say Spence continues to climb the board, if they do like him, let's say Bosa and Spence are off the board, and and uh, and, and maybe even Dodd. You know, you never know what's going to happen in, in the the build up to the draft, but. Um, if, if the right guy on the defensive side of the ball isn't there and Jason Light can't maneuver down, wire some extra draft picks, if they have to stick and pick, you know, it's always best to go off your board with the best player available. And that player could be, a, uh, you know, a left tackle candidate in Ronnie Stanley. And, and that kind of fits your criteria for wanting to, to address those things. I mean, getting a franchise left tackle um, – you know, with the top 10 pick, teams don't want to pick in the top 10. They don't want to have that opportunity very often. The Buccaneers have had it too often lately. And although Donovan Smith had a very good year at the left tackle position, the Buccaneers believe that he could, you know, play just as easily on the right side. Uh, and is probably better suited for that at 335 pounds. Um, and so if you're looking at an offensive-minded head coach in Dirk Cutter uh, with a franchise-type quarterback in Jameis Winston, and you've already invested, you know, premium picks the previous year, and Donovan Smith and Ali Marpet, why not shore up that offensive line, you know, for, for the foreseeable future uh, with a, another tackle? Um, and either Stanley plays left or right or Smith plays left or right. Uh, but you have two young guys that you can build around for the long haul around Jameis Winston, and that's not a bad thing, especially in a draft that I think is relatively deep at the defensive end position for what Tampa Bay is looking for in a pass rusher, as well as the cornerback position. So, you know, if you, if you do go for the luxury pick there and get the, the offensive tackle in the first round, you can always come back in rounds two, three, and four and, and shore up on, on the defensive side of the ball 
And Tampa Bay will draft an offensive tackle at some point. They have to put another guy in the hopper and develop him because the right the right tackle position, you've got DeMar Dotson entering the last year of his contract. He's 30 years old, and he's had a couple of knee injuries in his career. Uh, Goster Cherilis is also entering the last year of his deal. He's 31. He's got a chronic knee injury. Uh, so uh, they're going to have to address it at some point in time, and they want to get another young guy in the mix to develop to eventually take over on the right side. Um, and if, if it's not going to be Ronnie Stanley in the first round, it'll probably be a player, you know, in the fourth or fifth round, maybe even a guy like Texas Tech's Loretta Clark. Is there a specific prospect beyond the first round that, that you've heard that Tampa Bay could be targeting? Is there one guy that kind of rings out, oh, I hear they really like him, keep an eye on this player, really at any position, just beyond the first round? Is there some guy that you've heard connected to Tampa that that should keep an eye on? Um, I mean, I, I, I think there's, there's a, you know, there's a, a lot of guys. I mean, uh, sometimes it just doesn't happen. I, I know the, the, Buc- the Buccaneers really liked Ali Marpet last year, and they really liked Tyler Lockett last year. Um, and, you know, they were hoping to upgrade the return game as well as their offensive line and add like a dynamic, you know, uh, playmaker. Um, and, you know, but, but you, you, you can't cover all the bases. You can't get everybody you want in the draft. Um, you know, I, I think, I think the team really likes Will Fuller. They like his speed and the ability to take the top off the defense. Um, but from you know where he's going to go, which would be you know maybe lower first round, certainly the second round, given his speed, um, you know that, that's more of a luxury pick this year. Uh, the Buccaneers are hopeful that Kenny Bell can kind of step in and be that speed receiver. Um, they might go out and get a guy like say Travis Benjamin from the Browns to kind of be that return guy and speed receiver. Um, you know, but I mean, Will Fuller is a guy that, that I think the team likes. Uh, I just don't know that with all of the needs they have on the defensive side of the ball, um, that they can really afford to uh, to spend a you know a high second round pick on a wide receiver, especially with Vincent Jackson coming back for another year, Lewis Murphy coming off of an injury and coming back, as well as the return of Kenny Bell from injured reserve. Uh, throw those guys in the mix with a promising rookie like Adam Humphreys. And Mike Evans is going in his third year, and the, the wide receiving core is, is is more full than you might expect in Tampa Bay already. All right, final question, and uh, for number nine overall of the likely candidates that are expected to be available there, what would you say is your top three pecking order? And of course, we won't hold you to it. It's a long way before draft day. A lot's going to change here in the coming months, so especially with free agency. But what would you say of the, the the likely candidates or reasonable candidates? What would you say would be the Buccaneers' top three pecking order at number nine? Well, I, I think a lot of it kind of depends on what's going to happen at the combine. Uh, you know, if you ask me this 10 days from now, my answers might be a little different depending on you know, on 40 times and, and the like, you know, and, and 40 times get overrated, but not for cornerbacks, right? You have to, you have to know if these cornerbacks can get down the field and, and cover some fast receivers. So I think people sometimes make a little too much fun of the, uh, of the underwear Olympics uh, that is the combine, but it does serve a purpose. Uh, this is the opportunity to, uh, you know, to also see, you know, who actually measures in what, what the the colleges you know say i mean there's a lot a lot of guys that will lose an inch or two in um you know in in the the, the measurements and they'll they'll lose or gain you know 10 or 15 pounds in these measurements and that will affect their, their draft status so right now i would say noah spence emmanuel ogba um probably stand the best chance you know and 
I mean, I wouldn't rule out, uh, you know, a cornerback, but if, if I had to say who that third pick would be, you know, on my pecking order, I would say probably Ronnie Stanley just because franchise tackles are hard to find. And when you have the opportunity to take one, usually you're rewarded in doing so um, because the next time you need one, you may not be in a position to get one. Uh, those upper echelon guys just don't typically hit free agency. They're, they're very hard to trade for. You know, Jason Peters is an exception, uh, not the rule. So I, I guess I would go with Spence, Ogba, and, uh, and Ronnie Stanley. Excellent insight. And before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to let everybody know where they can follow you and read your stuff. Well, I appreciate that very much, and thanks for the opportunity to have me on. I've uh, been covering the Buccaneers for 22 years at pewterreport.com, and um, you know, we've, we were the, the first and only media outlet to actually call for Levy Smith to be fired during the season, back in October actually, and suggest that the team hire and promote Dirk Cutter as the next head coach, and that's exactly what happened. So if you want that type of, of insight and analysis on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Bucks fans, be sure to check out pewterreport.com. And also follow us on Twitter. We've got over 21,000 Twitter followers. We want you to, to join the mass and, uh, and follow us at Pewter Report on Twitter. And I can't recommend Pewter Report enough. Nobody has a better uh, bead on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their organization than, than Scott and his team. So, uh, Scott, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate the insight, and we'll talk to you again before draft day. Hey, looking forward to it. Thanks for the opportunity. All right, take care. All right, and with that, I'm going to call the show. I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in and remind you, as always, to subscribe to the Draft Countdown podcast to make sure you get the latest episodes as soon as they are available. And as always, there are currently 69 days, 2 hours, 34 minutes, and 5 seconds left until the 2016 NFL Draft. Tick-tock.